All right, we are still in our series called uh, The Battle for Our Emotions, and um, we all face this one that we're going to talk about. Uh, And, you know, it's interesting, in Philippians chapter 4, God says, be careful for nothing, which means we shouldn't worry about anything, should we? Matthew chapter 6, he says, do not worry. So let me ask you a question. Do you think that we are failures if we worry? Do you, do you, let me ask you this way. Do you think it's wrong to worry about things? Let me clarify that we shouldn't worry about. We're going to talk in a minute about healthy anxiety, and there is such a thing. But do you think that it is wrong for you and I as a believer to worry about things when God tells us not to? It's not a trick question. Yeah, it is wrong. It's wrong. We shouldn't do it. So when we worry about things, we are not doing the right thing. All right? Now, this is an issue you and I will never totally conquer this side of heaven. We never will. So let's ask another question so we don't get so discouraged trying to figure out, well, if we're never going to conquer it, why are we even talking about it? Do you know of anything else in your life that God tells us to do that we will probably never completely conquer this side of heaven? How about the fact that he says we're to be like Christ in every aspect of our life? Do you think any of us will totally be like Christ, totally, this side of heaven? No. Okay. The point being, just because this is an issue that you and I will continue to battle with the rest of our life, we're going to worry. That's an issue. It's not right, but it's going to happen. Don't forget we all have a sin nature. It doesn't go away until we get to heaven. So we're going to battle it. We all sin. We're going to do things wrong. But there is a process and there is a method to overcome and deal with sin in our life. So don't think as we approach this that just because we're never going to not do this ever again, that we shouldn't learn how to deal with it and make an attempt to overcome it when it comes into our life. Okay? Let me share with you one reason why it's very important that even though we're still going to do it the rest of our life, all of us, that we need to learn how to deal with it. Have you ever been so worried about something that you literally were immobilized? I mean, you were so worried that you couldn't think, Maybe that major exam that you knew if I fail, I fail the course. And you're sitting there looking at that piece of paper and your mind is blank. That is anxiety immobilizing you. Maybe you didn't know that's what it was, but that's what it is. You're worried about failing. Your brain can't function. It's literally blank. Have you ever been so worried about something physically that you had no energy? I mean, you, you just couldn't get it. Have you ever known people that were in a state of depression that just slept all the time? That is anxiety immobilizing them. So we need to learn how to deal with this when it comes into our life because if we don't, it literally can paralyze our life. So it's one thing to realize, you know, I'm going to have worry come into my life. I shouldn't worry, but I do. It's another thing to accept the fact that I'm going to have to battle with this thing the rest of my life, so I might as well learn how to at least win some of the battles 
And then when I get to heaven, I'll ultimately win the war over this, and I won't do it anymore, okay? So that's why we're approaching this. We're not saying we're never going to do it. We're admitting we're going to do it, so let's learn how to deal with it, and that's what we're going to do today, okay? So look with me at Matthew chapter 6, and uh, we're going to read just a few verses here. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. The Bible says here, Therefore... I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not the life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? By the way, let's stop there. Who of us can add an hour to our life by worrying? What's the answer to that? Can anybody? No. Can you take away hours by worrying? Absolutely. There are physical consequences. Heart attacks, strokes, literally can be caused physiologically from too much stress. So we can't add anything, but we can sure take away if we don't learn how to deal with it. Verse 28. And why do you worry about clothes? Man, this is great. Why do you worry about clothes? What name is on the tag? Why do you worry about that? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, tomorrow it's thrown into the fire, Will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? For the pagans run after these things. Let me stop for a second and explain what that means. When Jesus said, These are the things the pagans run after. Literally, he's referring to the ungodly nations around the Mediterranean area that the believers were confronting whose primary belief was there is no afterlife. This is it. You only go around once in life, get all the gusto you can. That's it. When you die, you punch your ticket, you're done. There is nothing after that. Those people who believe like that, this is all they live for. Food, clothing, wealth, that's all they live for because they think that's all there is. Jesus says, as believers, we don't live that way. This world is not our home. Building 429 came out with a new song. They sang it at Winter Jam. that says, all I know is I'm not home yet. This is not where I belong. And that ought to be the cry of every believer. You're not home yet. This is not where you belong. Jesus says, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. We don't belong here. We don't fit. Satan is the god of this world. So what he's saying is, people who don't believe there's anything more than this, this is all they live for. Unfortunately, sometimes, even as believers, we get caught in that trap. And we find ourselves living for the temporal. And we're going to look at that in just a second when we go back. Look at verse 33. By the way, God says, your father knows you need all these things. He's not saying we shouldn't have them. He's just saying we shouldn't spend our whole life worrying and focusing on nothing but that. 
So what should we focus on? Look at verse 33. It begins the verse with the word but. Don't follow after these things, but follow after this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, I want you to go back to verse number 25. The Bible begins the verse with the word, therefore. Whenever we see the word, therefore, or wherefore, what are we supposed to do? Ask what it's there for. Well, what is it usually there for? It is referencing something he just said. So I want you to look back up at verse 19, and let's see what he just said. He said in verse 19, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Look at verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one, love the other, he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then he describes what he's talking about. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, do not worry about your life, what you're going to eat or drink. Don't worry about your body, what you're going to wear. What is all that stuff? That's temporal things that have to do with treasures on this earth. Don't worry about those things. So, let's talk about this anxiety thing. He says here several times, do not worry, do not worry. What is he talking about? Well, first of all, let's look at the meaning of the word. The Greek word here. Is the Greek word merimnao. It literally means to be anxious about something. It comes from another form of the word that's found in 1 Peter 5, 7. Anybody know what that verse says? Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. The word casting there is, the same, is a form of this same word, merimna. It literally means to give the idea of being distracted. You know what worry and anxiety does? It distracts us from what's really important. It causes us to get out of focus in our life. That's literally what the word means. So that's why he says, cast all your care upon him. Why? Because let him take care of it so it doesn't cause you to get out of focus in your life. Stay focused on the right things in your life. So that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to look at two kinds of anxiety. There is a healthy kind and there is an unhealthy kind. The unhealthy kind is the kind we've got to learn to deal with or paralyzes us. The healthy kind is one that's actually good for us. Healthy anxiety is simply this, genuine concern or interest. How many of you have ever, if you play sports, how many of you have ever been nervous before a ball game? Okay. I think most of us. I played football, baseball, basketball from the time I was eight years old till I graduated from college. I can honestly say I don't remember a single game that I ever dressed for and walked out onto a quarter of field that I wasn't nervous before the first play or the tip off or the first pitch. I can tell you this, especially in college, every time I stepped in a batter's box, I was nervous. You got a guy throwing a little hard ball 90 miles an hour that might hit you in the head, you get nervous. 
I never played a ball game. I wasn't nervous. Now, <coughs> in football especially, once that first hit took place, the nerves turned into energy, and I played and I loved the game. That's healthy anxiety. That's healthy concern. There are several types of that mentioned in the Bible. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, by the way, this is a passage that we talk about extensively in the Let's Talk Marriage seminar. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is the chapter that talks about the physical relationship with marriage. For those of you that aren't sure what that is, it's sex. Yeah, God even talks about that, and there is a right way to approach it. Do you know the two things that destroy more marriages than anything else? The sexual relationship and money. Debt and adultery destroy more relationships than anything else. That's why it's important before you enter into marriage, you understand what God says about it and make sure you do it the right way. And I'm not talking about the physical act of it. I'm talking about the philosophy behind it, why you do it, what it's meant to do, and why it's important. In this particular passage, in 1 Corinthians 7, verses 32 through 35, Paul addresses those that are not married yet but are thinking about getting married. And here's what he says. He basically says, if you're not married, you can focus all of your concern, merimnao, all of your anxiety, all of your interest on the things of the Lord. But once you get married, you have to focus your concern, merimnao, your genuine interest, on your wife or your spouse. Is that a bad thing? No. Not only is it not bad, it's a good thing and it's very necessary. Paul said, I wish that you were like me. At that particular time, he was probably not married. I personally think, though it's just my opinion, that he was married at one point. He talks about the fact that he did, did, did he not have the right to lead about a wife and a family like others. But at this particular point, he was not, so he could focus all of his attention on ministry. He didn't have the concern about his wife. That's a good, healthy form of this word. In 1 Corinthians 12, 25, the Bible talks about the body of Christ, you and I, having a mutual concern, care for each other. Merimnao. This anxiety, this concern genuinely for each other, that's a good concern. In Philippians 2.20, Paul talks about his concern for all the churches. It did distract him sometimes because it was part of what he was genuinely concerned about. In Luke chapter 10, verses 41 and 42, everybody knows the story, Mary and Martha. Remember Jesus came to the house? Mary was the so-called super spiritual one who sat at his feet and listened to Jesus teach. And Martha was the busy bee in the kitchen. And Martha went to Jesus and said, Mary, I mean, Jesus, aren't you concerned? Aren't you, Merimnao? Aren't you worried about the fact that my sister is not helping me? And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are concerned, Merimnao. You are worried about many things, by the way, none of which are not important. However, Mary has chosen what is most important now. You know, a lot of times we worry about things that are not bad. We just worry about them because we got them in the wrong priority in our life. 
So they create worry. We get our priorities right, and all of a sudden that anxiety subsides, and we can deal with life the right way because that thing is not as important as what is really important in our life, which does not create anxiety. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. So there is a healthy form of anxiety. When you get nervous, we, we call it butterflies. Those butterflies are anxiety. But that's genuine concern only because you really want to do well at whatever you're doing. That's healthy anxiety. There's nothing wrong with that. And usually that kind of anxiety doesn't paralyze us. Usually. And when I was in speech class in college, believe it or not, that kind of anxiety would almost paralyze me. I couldn't sleep the night before I had to give a speech in speech class. So there's a healthy kind. Now, there's also an unhealthy kind. What is this? This is what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 6. Here's the simple definition. When our focus is on us, our problem, and our circumstances, and not on God, our problem, and our circumstances. Simply put, an unhealthy anxiety is when I think I am the only solution to my problem and nobody else can help me. That's when we start worrying to the point that we get paralyzed. Okay? So how do we deal with this? First of all, we've got to realize the importance of our focus. So that's what happens. Anxiety is the merimna. That is the word that means we get distracted. And so what happens is we get distracted. Instead of focusing on the right thing, we get distracted and we start focusing on the wrong thing. I'm giving you three examples here of how that took place in the Bible and why it's important we focus on the right thing. Peter in Matthew 14, verses 28 through 33. Anybody remember the story of Peter walking on the water? Jesus came out at night walking on the water. Peter said, Lord, if that's you, then tell me to come walking to you on the water. Jesus said, come on. Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water. He was doing it until he got distracted. He looked at the waves. And instead of his focus being on Jesus, he started focusing on on the problems all around him. What happened? He started sinking. The great thing is, when he started sinking, he cried out for help. Jesus grabbed him, pulled him back up, and he got focused on the right thing again, and together they walked back to the boat. That happens to us all the time. We focus on us, our problem, our circumstances, and God's nowhere in my thought process. So I think i got to do this on my own. How about David in 1 Samuel 17 when he faced Goliath? Remember when David walked up? He met his brothers. Saul and all his armies, they're hiding from Goliath. Goliath comes out while he's there, starts cursing the God of Israel, starts making fun of the Israelites and their army. David walked up and said, what are you guys doing? Why is everybody just standing around here? Somebody needs to do something. Basically, you know what they said? Have you seen this guy? You know who he is? You know what he does? We, we can't beat this guy. So he goes in to see Saul. What did Saul tell him? You can't fight this giant. You're just a boy. And he is a warrior. And what, were, what was everybody doing except David? They were focusing on the enemy and themselves. God was nowhere in the picture. David said, God used me to kill a lion and kill a bear, and that same God can kill a giant. What was the difference in David and everybody else? 
Everybody else focused on themselves and their problem. David brought God into the picture. He focused on the right thing. God can solve this problem. It didn't look humanly possible, but that's why he needed God. How about the 12 spies in Numbers 13? Remember when they went into the promised land for the first time? Let me ask you something. When they came back, was there a report that this land is dry, barren, and extinct? Is that what their report was? No. They came back and they said, this place is unbelievable. You would not believe the fruit and the vegetation and the land is beautiful. Oh, man, this you've never seen any place like this. However, I don't think we should go over there and live there because the people are too big and they're too strong and they will squash us, they said. There were 12 spies. That's what 10 of them said. You know what Joshua and Caleb said? Joshua and Caleb said, if God wants us to have that land, and he does, then he will give us that land and we will squash them. They won't squash us. What was the difference in the 10 and the 2? 10 were looking at themselves and the problem. Two of them were looking at God and their problem. Here is, and, and if you don't hear anything else we say, here is the key to winning with anxiety in our life. It's your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Period. That's it. If Jesus is a long-haired dude on a Sunday school paper, and that's all he is to you, you're going to worry yourself to death. Because long-haired dudes on Sunday school papers don't do anything. They just don't. I mean, I can grow my hair out. You can put me on a Sunday school paper. It ain't going to do nothing. The only way to overcome anxiety is Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we also accomplished about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Looking, that's focus. Everything we do in our life has got to, first of all, be filtered through the lens of the fact that Jesus lives inside of me. His plan is everything I do in my life. And no matter what's happening to me or where I'm going or what I'm doing, it's all a part of His plan, and I trust Him. That doesn't mean we're not going to worry about things. We will. Especially when He takes us down into those valleys of life where we know He's going to take care of us, but we just can't see it. And we get in those dark places where we can't see the answer, and I, for one, get nervous. I worry. But you know what happens to anxiety in my life? Whenever He turns the light on and I begin to come out of that dark valley, and He does it, the next time I go into that same valley, I'm not near as worried. You know, you've heard me talk about it. The worry meter, it it goes down a whole lot the second time. Because I've been there before. I watched him do it. I know he can do it. He's done it before. And so next time I go there, it doesn't mean I don't worry. I just don't worry quite as much. And the more I go through it, the lower and the lower that worry meter gets. Now, bless your heart, some of you, bless your heart, 
Some of you worry yourself to death because you, your worry meter's like this. And every time you go through one of them valleys, God stays in that drawer where your Bible stays all week long. He never comes out. And you face every one of them by yourself. And nine out of ten times, it don't work. That's why next time you face it, you're scared to death because you know what happened last time. Go pull God out of the drawer. Let Him get involved. And I promise that worry meter, it'll start going down. God really does want to help us. And I'm telling you, it's not easy. But He really does. Unhealthy anxiety is conquered when we focus on the right thing. All right. How do we do this? I'm going to give you real quick a few things. I'm just going to go through these real fast. Um, they're all found in Matthew 6 and Philippians 4. We don't have time to uh, talk a whole lot about them, but I want you to take your Bible this week. I want you to read Matthew 6, read Philippians 4, and every time you start worrying about something, go back to those two passages and read them. And remember these things we talk about. What do we focus on? Number one, our priorities. Jesus said in Matthew 6, don't focus on the temporal, focus on the eternal. When you start worrying, the first thing you need to ask yourself, am I worried about something that's temporary or am I worried about something that's eternal? Where are my priorities? Where should they be? Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Okay? So number one, check your priorities. Number two, remind yourself of the power of God. If God so clothed the grass of the field and He feeds the birds of the air, can He not take care of us too? Sure He can. God is capable. Do you know how you and I learn that God is capable? Not by hiding behind the rocks like King Saul did, but by taking our slingshot and facing the problem like David did and allowing God the opportunity to prove himself to us. As long as you keep hiding from your problems and crawling behind the rocks and never facing them, you're never going to understand that. Get out there and let God show you what He can do. It will change your life, and it makes life so much more exciting. Now I'm not afraid of the Goliaths in my life. I've watched God take down about 350 of them since I've been born. He can do it. Number three, remember God's passion for you. If God clothes the grass of the field and feeds the birds of the air, are you and I not more important than them? Jesus asked in Matthew 6. Of course we are. Jesus gave his life for us. He loves us. He wants to help us. He doesn't want us to be paralyzed by anxiety. He really wants to help. Then number four, we'll talk about this more in a minute, but prayer. Man, when you start worrying, the first place you need to go is to your knees. Literally, if not figuratively. Tell God. And then five, personal responsibility. Now, what is this? How many of you worry about things that you cannot change? Jesus, Jesus said it. How many of us can add one hour to our life by worrying about it? None of us. Then why do we worry about it? Do you know we just about destroy ourselves by worrying about things we can do nothing about? Well, I am so worried that my team won't win the NCAA tournament and I'll win my bracket. 
And what is it you can do about that? <laughs> Nothing. Not one thing. Now, that's a crude illustration, but you can apply that to a lot of things in our life every week that we worry about, that we have no control over. The things I do have control over, my personal responsibility, I just make sure I'm doing my best at that. But don't worry about the things we can't control. Okay? So, that's what we focus on. In closing, what kind of actions can I take? What can I actually do? This is Philippians 4. The Bible says in verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. I can rejoice in what's going on because I know I'm in God's plan for my life and God's got a really good purpose for whatever this is that's happening to me. I don't understand it. I don't see any good in it right now, but I can rejoice in the fact that if God is in control, then he's got a very good reason and ultimately he's going to be good for me. Number two, be gentle and calm. Paul said in Philippians 4, let your gentleness be known to all people. Don't get all bent out of shape because you're so worried. When we get all fretting like this, Psalm 37, what happens? We end up making unwise decisions. You've got to calm yourself. Well, how do you do that? Number three, you pray honestly. Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You've got to pray honestly. Now, let me tell you. Dear God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, thou that sittest upon the mountaintops and controllest the world and Helpest thou all the people who are in any type of harvest. That's a joke if you're worried. Because number one, you have no clue what you just said. Number two, you didn't mean a word of it. Basically what God wants to hear is your request. Let your request pour out your heart to God. By the way, think about this. Does God already know what's going on in our life before we ever talk to Him about it? Then why are we lying to Him when we pray? Acting like something we're really not when He really sees our heart anyway. You ever talk to a psychiatrist or psychologist or read anything or heard people say that one of the best therapies for you when you're going through a hard time is to get with a friend and talk about it? By the way, that's true. You know the best friend to talk to about it? Him. Because he's the only one that can do something about it. You know what I do when I start worrying? And by the way, I didn't always do this, but I sure do it now. I go straight to my, if I, if I can, I go straight to a place where I can pray, even if it's just going out and sitting in my car. And you know what I tell God? Everything I'm already thinking. And we talk about it. And I've, I've told him, I can't do this. I just can't do this. I know you call me to do it. I can't do it. What do I do? Where do I go from here? How do I handle this? But I don't say, and oh dear God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, even though my life is falling apart and I'm being torn in half, I am a happy camper. Because I ain't. You know what he does? I pour out my heart and he does the next thing. Expect God's peace. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind. God knows exactly how I feel, and I've told him. So now I feel better. And I know he's going to take care of it. Then number five, focus on the right, on what's right. This is how we think. Negative Nancy is going to worry herself right into a grave. Because everything in her life is negative. I just won the lottery. 
But somebody will probably steal the check before it gets to me. Somebody just paid off my house. But it's probably not true. I just got a promotion. But I'll probably get killed on my way to work the first day. You know what Philippians 4, 8 says? Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, lovely, of good report, of virtue, and of praise, think on these things. God even tells us what to think about. You think about negative things all the time, you're going to turn into negative Nancy or negative whatever God even starts with an end. Don't be like, that's a miserable way to live. And by the way, you make everybody around you miserable too. Don't be that way. Do bad things happen? Yes. Is it okay to talk to your friends about the bad things and express that you're hurting? Yeah, that's okay. But at the end of it, let them help you see God so He helps you. And then finally, do what's right. You know what Paul said in Philippians 4? The things that you've heard and seen in me, do those things. Sometimes anxiety comes and I caused it. I failed a test. Am I going to fail the class? Well, if passing the test required that I, if that's what it took, I, yeah, I'm going to fail. Am I worried about it? Yeah. Anything I can do about it? Nope, it's too late. So what do I do? Well, I focus on how to fix it after it happens. That's all I can do. Sometimes we create our own anxiety because we don't do the right thing. I promise you. Seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness will eliminate a lot of situations that create anxiety. When we don't, we create our own anxiety moments. But the great thing is God still loves us anyway. Believe me, nobody has created more of their own anxiety moments than me. And God's helped me out of every one of them in spite of me. Now, this is what we do. Does it always work perfect? No. And the reason is we're not perfect. Does it work? Yes, it works. The more you go to these two passages and the more you think through these things we talked about, the better and you will get at dealing with anxiety. But don't go home today and take all of this and throw it on the, in that drawer where the Bible is and leave it there. And the next time you start worrying about something, go right back to dealing with it the way we used to. Start doing it the way God says and see what happens. Won't eliminate it, but it'll sure make it a lot easier to deal with. Okay?